Welcome into the Chiefstone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. Back at it here once again. Been a little while since we've last done an episode. Hope you guys have enjoyed your spring break. Hope you guys had fun. If you guys had a spring break, if not, hopefully you guys get one soon or at least get some time off and enjoy this beautiful weather that we're finally getting after a long winter here in Kansas City. I am back in the good old US of A. Hope you guys had a good time away from the podcast, but now back at it, and we've got a lot to get into on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Before we get into the topics and what we'll discuss, a reminder, I'm on social media and you guys can interact with me. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian is the Facebook page. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean, and spread the word to your friends about the podcast. On this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast, we will talk about the Chiefs re-signing Anthony Sherman to a one-year deal and what he brings to the table in 2019 for Kansas City. The Chiefs rumored to be acquiring, possibly acquiring, a big-name defensive player via trade. We'll talk about that. A couple of wide receivers announced their retirement. One former Chief involved in that and one former K-Stater. One big-name player in the NFL announced his retirement. And also, you'll be surprised what one Patriots website did. They ran a poll asking who the biggest threat is to New England. Uh, spoiler alert, it is the Chiefs. You'll be a little surprised who came in third place. Uh, but there is a wide margin between second and third. We'll talk about that. Also, some of the new rules that the NFL considered and new rules that will be applied for 2019. Plus a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, the Alliance of American Football League is in danger of possibly folding. Uh, I also want to talk about the recent news about AT&T, DirecTV, and Viacom. They almost lost several popular channels on their network. And I want to discuss what this means for us as Chiefs fans, as consumers, those who like to watch sports. Because this kind of thing at one point could come into play in a vital manner. And I think that is a discussion worth having. We haven't really discussed this kind of thing a whole lot lately, or at least ever on this podcast. So I wanted to get into that as well. Plus, uh, this is kind of a funny story. Chris Evans, uh, who a lot of people know as Steve Rogers from the Avengers movies, uh, the Marvel movies, uh, plays as Captain America. He said he might no longer be a Patriots fan because of a difference in political opinion and he's taking a lot of heat for it but there is a little bit of hypocrisy in the people criticizing him and I'll explain why at the end of the podcast all of that here on this episode a lot to get into we will not do the closing segments on this episode instead we'll do it on Monday as I promised an episode here on Friday or anytime you're listening during the weekend and then we'll have a new episode on Monday Mondays when we will do the closing segments so we'll bring that back on Monday as for this podcast, we'll be coming up. Obviously, we're a couple of days away from the month of April. Uh, there are a few guests, and I don't want to give any names right now, but I hope to have a list of names that I can share on Monday's episode. But we've got a lot of guests lined up for the month of April. Obviously, that is the draft month. We'll also get the NFL schedule. We'll know when exactly the Chiefs are going to be playing in 2019. So a lot to talk about there and... Uh, hopefully we can get that list out. I can give you, I can share you guys a list of names 
for uh, for the month of April because we do have a lot of people that have agreed to come on the podcast. A lot of exciting names, names that you probably are familiar with on social media. Some notable, uh, some notable people out there who cover the Chiefs, whether it's locally or nationally. So I'm very excited. Uh, a couple of returning guests and a couple of new guests that I'm trying to book for the podcast. So I will let you guys know about that on the next episode. Happy opening day to all of you big baseball fans, which uh, I am not included in that category there. But hey, I'll still follow my Royals. Uh, Hope your favorite baseball team had a good opening day. I know most people listening are Royals fans. They got their game in. I I wasn't sure if the rain would let them or not, but they managed to get a win over the White Sox. Uh, Not sure if this team is going to get a whole lot of wins this year, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Better to start off 1-0 than 0-1, I guess, but still... A lot of baseball left to be a play. Starting one to know in baseball, completely different than football uh, because of the amount of games there. But uh, always uh, good to get off to a, a better start than not for the Royals, especially with all the players they've lost over the years, all the injuries they're dealing with right now. And uh, Gordo uh, took a big shot uh, in the back yesterday, but appears to be okay. So hopefully the Royals can... Uh, at least be competitive this year. That would be very nice to see. But obviously, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Chiefs football, and uh, I'll talk about a couple of the things that we've missed over the past week and a half, and some of the uh, newer things uh, that have come up. Some of the more recent news involving the Kansas City Chiefs. First things first. The biggest story uh, since we've last done an episode: Anthony Sherman re-signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. This was one of Kansas City's biggest free agents. Uh, that went into the offseason without a contract. He was a free agent. He was able to sign elsewhere, elsewhere, but did not. And I think part of it was because the Chiefs asked him to wait a little bit. They want to bring him back, but they also want to free up some space. They were able to do that. And the Chiefs ended up re-signing Anthony Sherman to a one-year deal. Uh, contract details not out yet, uh, which is kind of interesting. But last year around this time, uh, Anthony Sherman did re-sign with the Chiefs in a one-year deal worth $2 million. Uh, So I would imagine this year, considering he had another great year and was a Pro Bowler as well, probably would be a $3, $4 million year for Anthony Sherman. I think that is definitely deserving for Sherman. I know he's playing the fullback spot. It is a dying breed, but Sherman, uh, one of the few fullbacks that's able to not only just get it done, but do it very well. In the National Football League. And Kansas City has been very lucky with fullbacks, by the way, uh, over the past couple of decades. You look at who they've had, Kimball Andrews, Tony Richardson. Uh, if you guys remember for a little bit, the Chiefs had Mike Cox. Uh, he was the guy from Georgia Tech, uh, followed Chan Gailey over to Kansas City when Todd Haley was the head coach. And he stuck around even though Chan Gailey did not stay. Uh, but he was a big... Uh, big factor in helping Kansas City's rushing game be relevant with Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones. If you remember the year where the Chiefs were number one in the NFL in rushing when they went 10-6 and six with Matt Castle as a quarterback, that was a very good year for Kansas City, and, and Mike Cox had a big hand in that. These fullbacks, uh, especially the way that Kansas City has used them historically, uh, with the exception of Kimball Anders, we saw more statistics with him uh, than most fullbacks uh, and not just in franchise history, but in NFL history, rather. But, uh, man, these fullbacks have uh, really been good for Kansas City, and they've really done a great job paving the way for a lot of great running backs that we've had here in Kansas City. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence by all means. So uh, it's good to see Anthony Sherman stay in Kansas City for another year because 
whoever that running back is going to be at. I know there's probably a big question mark. What are the Chiefs going to do in the draft? Yes, they brought in Hyde from Jacksonville. They they still have the uh, Williams duo, Damian Williams and Daryl Williams. It doesn't look like Spencer Ware is coming back. It doesn't look like Charkandrick West is coming back. Uh, so the Chiefs may may need to address that position in the draft, but how early in the draft are they going to do it? Um, keep in mind, they do have some luck in that third round, especially at that running back position with Jamal Charles and Kareem Hunt. And I know a lot, what a lot of people are going to say. Well, the Chiefs uh, did have Kareem Hunt, and they decided to just let him walk. And I know we can talk about that for hours and hours, but we've already done that. Uh, at this point, all we can do is just wonder if, if the Chiefs can continue to roll the dice, and continue to have good luck finding running backs in the third round or at some point in the draft because when you've got this offense, and not to the point where you know I think Patrick Mahomes is under any major pressure, but look, would it hurt to take the load off of Mahomes a little bit? I mean, what if Mahomes went from having 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns in 2018 and for 2019, he had, what, maybe 40 touchdowns and just close to 5,000 passing yards. Maybe because due to the fact that the running game was more relevant. And I know there was a graphic on Fox Sports, on Colin Coward's show, about Patrick Mahomes' statistics, uh, his win-loss record. Uh, that went down a little bit. Uh, some of his statistics, statistics excuse me, in terms of completion percentage, that also went down ever since the Chiefs let go of Kareem Hunt. But what that graphic doesn't tell you is that Sammy Watkins also missed almost the same amount of time. And by the way, those numbers that they put up included the playoffs. And I don't want to mention those numbers. I don't think it's that relevant right now. But when you look at that that number right there, keep in mind, Sammy Watkins, he only played a couple of snaps in that Rams game, which happened to be Kareem Hunt's last game with the Chiefs. And Watkins did not play another game for the Chiefs the rest of the regular season. He did come back in the playoffs, though, and was instrumental in helping the Chiefs. There, and keep in mind, the Chiefs scored 31 points in each of their playoff games, both of them at Arrowhead. And I know uh, one against the Colts, that was more than enough to get through, but obviously not enough in that Patriots game, despite forcing overtime uh, after a very slow start to that football game. Big shutout offensively. And I know there were a lot of factors that prevented the Chiefs from winning the football game, but hey, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, at the end of the day, having a running back would really help this football team. Now, again, I don't think Kareem Hunt's loss uh, or, or, or letting him go had anything to do with Patrick Mahomes taking a step back. This was still an offense that, and I say that I use this example, and people get mad at me because they say, well, the Raiders are. Not that good of a football team. Okay, well, uh, I mean, what? Just shortly, 36 hours after Kareem Hunt was released, the Chiefs go and put up 40 on the road in Oakland. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were already without Le'Veon Bell, and then uh, Connor suffers an injury. James Connor suffers an injury. And so they are at Arrowhead, or excuse me, at uh, Oakland without their top two running backs, Le'Veon Bell and, and Connor. And they couldn't even beat the Raiders. They couldn't even put up a lot of points against the Raiders. So listen, uh, I'm not here to say that the Chiefs are doomed without Kareem Hunt. I said from the very beginning that I still think this offense can function and do a good job without Kareem Hunt because 
We've seen so many running backs just excel under Andy Reid. It's just a crazy thing that Andy Reid has with his offense where running backs do a really good job. And I think it helps that Andy Reid's had a lot of great quarterbacks, Donovan McNabb, uh, uh, Alex Smith, and now Patrick Mahomes, uh, who used the running back position a lot in the passing game. And now that you have Anthony Sherman coming back for another year, you want to make sure that the running game is going to be instrumental in 2019. Because look, maybe you can look at that Patriots AFC Championship loss and look at the first half. And listen, Mahomes did overthrow a couple of players similar to what he did the first time the Chiefs and Patriots played in Week 6 on Sunday Night Football. But man, if you utilize the running game a little bit more, maybe you'll prevent the trouble that you had in that AFC Championship game. So I'm not exactly sure what Kansas City's plans are, especially with the addition of Carlos Hyde. I don't think that's their major solution at the end of the day, but I would imagine that they would at least try to look for a running back in the draft. And by the way, keep in mind with Kareem Hunt, when the Chiefs drafted him, Kareem Hunt was not projected to be the Week 1 starter. It took an injury to Spencer Ware in week three of the preseason in 2017 for Kareem Hunt to get that start. And obviously we know what happened on uh, on the f- f- very first game of 2017, Chiefs-Patriots. Kareem Hunt went off on New England and had the biggest debut in NFL history. So I'm not exactly sure what the Chiefs are going to do or if there's going to be competition at that running back spot right now. I know... Brett Veach did say that this is Damian Williams' job right now. It is his job to lose, but at the end of the day, especially when you make a comment like that in February or early March, whenever he said that, that doesn't mean a whole lot this time of year, especially before the draft. And I'm not saying, listen, listen I, I'd like to see what Damian Williams can do in this offense. Don't get me wrong. I think Damian Williams is capable of helping Kansas City, but uh, we haven't necessarily seen that killer instinct. Kareem Hunt was, I think, second or third in the NFL behind Todd Gurley in total yards from scrimmage. And this is considering the fact that Kareem Hunt got off to a very slow start in 2018. And he was still able to do that for Kansas City before his release. So this is going to be an offense that's really looking to fill in those big shoes and are you able to get a guy that can maybe not dominate as well as Kareem Hunt did, finishing in the top five in uh, total yards from scrimmage before his release? But can you get a guy who can be maybe at least in the top 10 or top 15 in that category? Because that would really help this offense a lot. Again, I'm not saying there's pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think he's handled it just fine. There isn't pressure when you have Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, uh, you have Demarcus Robinson, who I, I think will do some good things again in 2019. Maybe you find a speedster through the draft late that you can prep up and have him ready for this West Coast-style offense for 2019. There are a lot of possibilities. We, we, we don't know exactly what the Chiefs are going to do in the draft. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, could this be a repeat of... 2018, where they go defensive heavy, uh, uh, despite one player converting to offensive line in Khalil McKenzie, but there is that possibility as well. Uh, if you told me last year that the Chiefs were going to go all defense in the draft, I would have said there's no way that's that's going to happen, but that ended up being the case. So 
there are a lot of possibilities right now. I still think that maybe you should look for some depth at the wide receiver position and as well as the running back position, maybe good depth. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I think that the Chiefs should consider a running back in this draft at least with one of those two second-round picks or at least with their third-round pick uh, because that can really help this offense out a lot. Again, I'm not exactly sure what Andy Reid, Brett Veach, what those guys have have planned with this offense in the draft, but surely there's got to be something because uh, losing Kareem Hunt, obviously that's a big blow. And could Kareem Hunt have helped the Chiefs in the AFC title game? That's still being uh, discussed as a topic every time some of the stats get brought up. But uh, it's really just hard to look back at that because Kansas City could have done a lot to uh, to prevent a loss or at least even prevent overtime uh, in that AFC title game. So that is something that remains to be seen. Now, as for who else they could acquire, well, the Chiefs are currently part of the Rumor mill of acquiring defensive end Jadavian Clowney from the Houston Texans. Chad Forbes, who I've got to admit, I have never heard of his name before. Never followed on, uh, on Twitter, never seen his tweets before. Uh, but I saw the ar- article written by Matt Connor, who's a friend of the podcast over at Arrowhead Addict. He's got 15,000 followers on social media. Doesn't have a website or anything. Uh, I don't know who he writes for. He goes by the Twitter handle NFL Draft Bites. And he tweeted that there are some quiet rumblings at the NFL owners' meetings that the Texans are not interested in a long-term deal with Jadavian Clowney, who was franchise-tagged earlier this offseason. If he's willing to sign a tender, a trade is possible. And Chad Forbes called the Chiefs a, quote, natural landing spot. Now, Jadavian Clowney is playing in the 3-4 scheme as a defensive end, but he is more of a physical defensive player and has a better size advantage than D Ford, who, yes, has 3-4, or excuse me, 4-3 experience in college, uh, but doesn't have that size advantage or that physical tenacity that Jadavian Clowney has, and therefore, Jadavian Clowney would be able to convert into a better 4-3 defensive end and do some things there. Uh, that remains to be seen. I'm not seeing anything from any of the local media or anything from uh, the national insiders like Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. So take this rumor for what it's worth. But uh, it is uh, one of the uh, things that was brought up by somebody who was at the NFL owners meeting. So uh, that is something to keep in mind for consideration. Obviously, we'll we'll touch on that a lot more if uh, talks start to heat up in there and if there are more reports about the Chiefs possibly acquiring Clowney. Now, a couple of receivers have announced their retirements. Former Chiefs receiver Jeremy Macklin announced his retirement after spending a couple of years in Kansas City, uh, spent a couple of years in Baltimore, didn't do very well. Injuries have slowed him down, unfortunately, and uh, former Mizzou product as well. Uh, Don't forget about that. So, uh, Jadavian, or excuse me, not uh, Jadavian Klein, Jeremy Macklin, rather, uh, announced his retirement. Another former Big 12 player, who announced his retirement is Jordy Nelson, former Kansas State Wildcat, who the Chiefs were reportedly interested in. He uh, was receiving interest from the Chiefs, one of five teams, in fact, interested in Jordy Nelson, including the Raiders that who released him and consider bringing him back. But Jordy Nelson decided that it is time to hang it up. So he is now done playing football. So two local college guys, one Mizzou product in Jeremy Macklin and a Wildcat in Jordy Nelson. They have recently 
retired from the NFL. But the biggest retirement news that came last week was from the New England Patriots. Tight end Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement after a nine-year career in the NFL. And listen, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, uh, went on, uh, I think it was NFL Network or ESPN, one of the networks, but he said something to the effect of how it would not surprise him if Gronk came back and if the Patriots were to struggle, maybe Gronk would consider coming back for a few games. But look, let me just say this, because a lot of people were thrilled about this, hoping that Tom Brady would regress and set back and, and maybe the Patriots would, would struggle all of a sudden. Listen, Brady has won Super Bowls before Gronk. In fact, don't forget, the Patriots had that 25-point comeback win against the Falcons without Gronk. And if I remember correctly, I don't even think Gronk played a single snap that year due to an injury that he had that sidelined him for, for all of 2017, or, uh, 2016. rather. So it's not like Tom Brady needs Gronk. Gronk is probably Brady's best pass catcher that he's ever had. And Brady's had a lot of good ones. Gronk is probably the best one that that he's ever had. And I think Brady will be just fine without Gronk. I don't know how many years Brady really has left in him. He keeps saying he wants to play for years and years and years. It's hard to predict that down the road. It's hard to predict what's going to happen a year from now. But uh, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's not regressing, uh, I don't see any signs as to why Brady, as long as you have Brady and Belichick, there's a reason to truly believe that football team is going to step back. Listen, the Patriots, they, they've gotten off to a slow start several times. If you remember 2014, after the Chiefs destroyed them on Monday Night Football, everybody, and even, even people in Boston, thought that the Patriots were done. And they won a Super Bowl against the, the Seahawks. Uh, in the, I think the same year they went to the Super Bowl against the Eagles. They uh, they got beat by the Chiefs in the first game of the year, as we alluded to earlier, and they got off to a 2-2 two and two start. They still went to the Super Bowl. Uh, this past season, they got off to a, what was it, a 1-2 and two start? They lost back-to-back games in weeks 2 and 3, and not only did they make it to the Super Bowl, having to go on the road in a hostile environment that we all know very well about it in Kansas City to win the AFC title game, but they still won the Super Bowl despite a slow start. So listen, even if this Patriots team gets off to like a 1-2 and two or a 2-2 two and two start of some kind, that seems to be where the Patriots excel the most. It worked in 2014, worked in 2017, and worked in 2018. Okay, now if they're 0-3, 0-4, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll start having a more serious conversation then. Uh, but if they start at 500 in the first couple of games... Man, I don't think it's anything to go crazy about because this Patriots team, it seems like that is how they get fired up the most. So perhaps that is a good thing if you're New England. Uh, But yeah, Gronk retiring, and I know there's talks about him. If he's one of the best tight ends in NFL history, uh, even though he didn't play a whole lot, he still did things that not many tight ends were able to do. And I know he had Brady as his quarterback, and look, that's part of it. Look at Mahomes. Look at Tyree Kill. I mean, they have each other uh, to help create this great offense. Kelsey has 
has Mahomes, Mahomes has Kelsey. I mean, sure, we, we, we could discuss who's helping who more, but at the end of the day, when you're surrounded by so many great guys, like uh, Patriots players uh, themselves have that situation, uh, you can have that discussion, sure, but generally some of these guys that played very well in their careers, it's because, yeah, they were surrounded by great teammates, and that's what helped them excel. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez, he had a lot of great players, especially dur- during the Dick Vermeule years, uh, with Trent Green uh, as his quarterback, Priest Holmes as the running back, and the mismatches that really created for opposing defenses. So look, I know a lot of people are hoping that the Patriots are going to take a step back, but I don't think Gronk's retirement is going to be what will set the Patriots to go backwards. Now, I will say this. A big bombshell out of New England, Greg Schiano, the new defensive coordinator to replace Brian Flores, uh, he abruptly resigned, which is kind of interesting. And I say that, especially on this podcast, because Brendan Daly, who was now the defensive line coach for the Chiefs, he was the defensive line coach for the Patriots for a couple of years. He really wanted that defensive coordinator job to replace Flores. He did not get it. And that is what led him to leave New England and come to Kansas City. Now, he does have a connection to Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, keep that in mind. But he really wanted that defensive coordinator job in New England. Is there a possibility that New England reaches out to him, whether it's uh, as this offseason continues or next year? That is something to, to just keep an eye on. I don't want to speculate on that too much. I would like to think Brendan Daly, given his relationship with Spags, uh, that he's going to want to stay in Kansas City for at least a year. But I did say before, listen, man, the assistants who the Chiefs have right now, Matt House, Brendan Daly, I mean, these guys are all going to be defensive coordinators within the next three three to five years, maybe even sooner than that. And I think Brandon Daly, I'm not exactly sure what the Patriots are going to do with that vacant D.C. job right now. Last year, they didn't really have anyone with that title, although Flores got a majority of the credit for that. Uh, But Brandon Daly could be a candidate to go back to New England. I don't think it happens this offseason, but I think next year, Whenever Kansas City's season ends, hopefully it's not until February, uh, maybe Brandon Daly is going to be that guy that gets called up for that defensive coordinator job. So I would keep an eye on that job uh, and see if Brandon Daly, if anything happens to him, and if the Patriots try to reach out to him sometime after the 2019 regular season is over. One bit of Chiefs news, at least former uh, Chiefs news, that is Justin Houston, who the Chiefs decided to release. He has signed with the Indianapolis Colts. He has found a new home. Chiefs and Colts, they will play at Arrowhead in 2019. So Justin Houston has not played his last game at Arrowhead just yet. Assuming he stays healthy, doesn't have a suspension, any of those kinds of things. Uh, There's a chance that Justin Houston could play at Arrowhead at least one more time. In 2019, like I said, we'll know the schedule in the month of April. That'll be out before the draft, and we'll know exactly when Justin Houston could return to Arrowhead. Now, one bit of news that I wanted to bring up here. There was a website from SB Nation called Pat's Pulpit, which is the uh, which is basically the Arrowhead Pride equivalency for Patriots fans on SB Nation. Uh, but they ran a poll on their website 
asking who is the biggest threat to the New England Patriots in the AFC. 72% voted for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not a surprise. Now, think for a moment. Who is the second biggest threat to the Patriots according to Patriots fans? Now, I'll be honest. When I thought of that, I wasn't quite sure who I was going to pick. Well, it turns out that Patriots fans think that the Cleveland Browns are actually the second biggest threat to New England. And the Browns got 12% of the votes. The Chargers got 6% of the votes. The Colts, 4.5%. And the Ravens, just a little more than 3% of the votes. Uh, I would have said the Chargers, but I guess given how the Patriots manhandled the Chargers, that game was over at halftime. Odds makers in Vegas were already creating numbers for the Chiefs-Patriots AFC Championship game at halftime. They already made it public. Just because. Uh, I guess given how the Patriots destroyed the, the Chargers, I guess Patriots fans don't think highly of the Chargers to the point where they are a threat to the Patriots. So I guess it's Chiefs fans because obviously the Chiefs need to figure out how to surpass New England in 2019, but... They've also got to understand that, hey, look, given the season that they had, they do have a big target on their backs. Uh, The truth is, at the end of the day, whenever you play a team like New England, uh, the fans are going to circle that game on their calendar. And players are going to say, well, we treat it like any other game. But let's be honest, man. I mean, that's that's not the truth. Uh, Anytime you play the biggest team out there, and right now in the NFL, there is no bigger team than the Patriots, players just get amped up a little bit more. They always try a little bit harder because they want to have that moment where they can pull off that upset against the Patriots and give it to their fans. Listen, maybe that team cannot win a Super Bowl, but they can at least look back at the season and say, hey, wasn't all bad. There, We did have some fun and we had that big glorifying moment where we defeated the Patriots. As Chiefs fans, I think that's how we felt in 2014 and 2017. Now the standard, of course, is higher Uh, given the state of this football team and the the improvements that are being made on defense. But I guess as Chiefs fans, we also got to worry about who's behind us. And the Cleveland Browns are creeping up. I get it. I mean, they got Kareem Hunt. They've got Odell Beckham Jr. And they're also getting some pieces on defense as well. This is a team that's really building up. And they could have probably one of the biggest two-year turnarounds in NFL history. You look at this team, they were winless a couple of years ago. They barely won games with Hugh Jackson. And now with an interim coach, I mean, they started winning games with Greg Williams. Now that Freddie Kitchens is running things in Cleveland, uh, this is a Browns team that is now being viewed as somewhat of a threat to the Patriots. Now, maybe not as big of a threat as the Chiefs, but I don't know. Time will tell, I, I guess. Uh, we still have the draft to go and the Browns can only make improvements from that point. But this is a Browns team that I, I, they're no longer the laughing stock. If the Browns have a better record than a really good football team, it's not funny anymore. That, that's not really how we view. It, it's just not, not how we, we're going to view things with the Browns. I remember when the Browns had a 1-1-1 record three weeks into 2018. That was a better record than the Patriots. And everyone was making crazy memes about that, going off about that. But uh, this is a Browns team that, look, they're, they're, they've got high standards. This is no longer, hey, let's try to be a 500 team. Let's try to be 
a competitive team. Let's try to get a playoff spot. This Cleveland Browns team, I mean, with maybe an injury to Kansas City and, and an injury or two to New England, the Browns could be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl in 2019, 2020, uh, which no one could have saw coming. I think a lot of people saw improvement coming, but once the Odell Beckham Jr. trade happened, uh, this Browns team gained some some serious attention. And everyone knows about that uh, sports memorabilia store or whatever that is in, in Cleveland where they have that jersey with all the names of the quarterbacks over the years. Johnny Manziel is bringing an end to that. He is. This is their best quarterback that they've had. We'll see exactly what happens with the Cleveland Browns. The Chiefs are still number two in the AFC right now behind New England, but... And I know the Chiefs right now are the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl for 2019. Uh, But at the end of the day, look, when when the Patriots uh, beat you in the AFC title game and they win their sixth championship with that quarterback of theirs, uh, it's just one of those things where they're still a top dog. And not just the NFL, AFC, obviously. Uh, And and that's an area where, look, sure, you got to worry about the Browns. And the Chargers, and let's not forget how the Chargers came back and rallied on that Thursday night game, but also the Patriots as well. So that'll be interesting to see how things go in the AFC because the Browns could be contending for one of the two by seeds uh, when it comes to trying to make the playoffs and trying to get that first round by. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. This Cleveland Browns team is going to be competitive. And I know Steelers fans, they hate hearing this because they've won the division the past few years. Well, look. First of all, you didn't even make the playoffs last year. So, I don't even know why Patriots fans take or excuse me, uh, Steelers fans take offense as to why the Browns are division favorites when they didn't even make the playoffs last year. So, I think that is something that Steelers fans have got to understand. Look, this team not only did they I get it, they beat the Patriots, but you still couldn't make the playoffs. The Steelers have always been number 2 in this conference. For a long, long time behind New England. And now they're not even playoff contenders. They're not even the best team in their division right now. Maybe not even the second best team in their division. And that does depend on what's going to happen with the Baltimore Ravens moving forward with their young quarterback in Jackson. But this Browns team is here to play. And I guess Patriots fans, they're taking notice in that. They consider them a bigger threat than the Chargers. That is very interesting to see. We'll see how that all unfolds in 2019. I'm really excited to see the competition in the AFC. Uh, The Chiefs, they should have wrapped up that number one seed a little bit sooner. Uh, Some of the competition for that number two seed, the Patriots, it seemed like they were against all odds in getting that number two seed. Uh, But the Texans, they took steps back. The Chargers, I mean, the Chargers had to surpass the Chiefs in order to get one of those two seeds. Uh, But they were neck and neck with uh, with the Chiefs and Patriots. Uh, the Colts were also there as well. So there's going to be a lot of competition in that conference in 2019, and the Chiefs are a part of that. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Chiefs, uh, they did make a suggestion uh, for that overtime rule, and I know I talked about this. The NFL did consider it. Uh, I don't think they're going to apply that rule for 2019. However, the NFL will allow plays to be reviewed starting in 2019 on pass interference calls and non-calls 
for both offense and defensive players. And this is, of course, in response to what happened in the NFC Championship game with the Rams and Saints. That big pass interference call that was missed that should have uh, been been called and could have helped the Saints win the, the game. But you guys know my thoughts on that. The Saints did all other things in that game that uh, that played, played, but it wasn't, it wasn't the only reason why the Saints lost. You guys know my thoughts on that. I've went over that many times. The face mask on Jared Goff, uh, interception in overtime when you quote-unquote won the coin toss. Uh, we get the idea there. Let me just say this, because a couple of people responded to this saying, well, NFL games are going to be a little bit longer now. Uh, I don't think it's going to be significantly long. Listen, NFL fans are complaining about missed calls and how these calls are impacting games. You cannot complain about these things and then say that allowing instant replay for expanding instant replay is going to increase game uh, the uh, amount of hours, uh, amount of time it takes to finish a game. You can't have it both ways. You just can't. I've always said, look, Expand instant replay, allow flexibility in what can be reviewed, in which this case the NFL is gradually getting close to that step. And look, you have the same rule as before. Two, 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 two challenges that you can have, and you get a third one if your first two are correct, or if both of your, your uh, challenges are correct. So there is that possibility that, listen, you, you, you can challenge more things and as long as you know what you're challenging if you're hitting 100% then you're going to get a third challenge and obviously the the NFL has tried to help coaches out with their challenge flags by not having to throw them as much by having certain things be reviewed each time and have them be confirmed by officials such as scoring plays they are all under review now uh, there are also certain occasions, if you remember in the AFC Championship game, when Julian Edelman looked like he had a thumb on that punt return, which he did not get out of the way for, for whatever reason, uh, the officials went over to review that. The Patriots did not throw a challenge flag there. It was the officials that went and reviewed that. Uh, and that's just one of many examples where officials are now stepping in rather than uh, having the uh, the coaches throw the red flag there. So, we're already seeing that expansion. We just need to see a little bit more, such as, and I don't know, maybe some blatant holding calls that don't get called. Uh, I, I I was listening to John Harbaugh. He was on Barstool Sports on their podcast, and he said, look, you just need an official in the press box to watch the game, and maybe you have a couple of these guys in the press box. One watches the game, through uh, without a, a monitor, you have another official that looks through multiple monitors, and if he sees something that the referees miss, he says, "Hey, look, throw the flag. This happened on number seventy-seven. Call this." And the head official turns on his mic and he makes that call. Which look, it, that's not a terrible idea. And again, I know people are going to say, "Well, that's going to extend game time." What would you rather have? Would you rather have? shorter games and have your team deal with a missed call because fans are complaining about this a lot or would you rather take the time to get right calls and maybe have it be more even that way 
teams are not having to deal with missed calls. You can't have it both ways, folks. Gotta have... You gotta take the time to get it right. And I think that's what the NFL is slowly leaning towards. A couple of other things I want to discuss real quickly. The AAF, they seem to be in big trouble right now. Uh, AAF chairman of the Alliance of American Football, Tom Dundon, told USA Today that the NFL Players Association, the NFLPA, they're not cooperating with the AAF by refusing to allow first-year league, uh, the first-year league, to use young NFL players. Uh, he said, quote, if the players' union is not going to give us young players, we can't be a development league. We are looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league. Now, I'm not exactly sure what restrictions there will be for the XFL whenever they start going in 2020, but let me just say this. I don't know why the NFL Players Association has that strict rule because there are a lot of undrafted free agents who get cut, even a lot of late draft picks who get cut, and some veterans who get cut as well. They cannot find a job in the NFL. Well, give them the flexibility, the young guys that is, to go to the AAF or go to uh, Canada Arena Leagues, XFL, I mean, there are going to be a lot of options here, assuming these leagues can stay alive, at least. Uh, and here's the thing. I don't know exactly how a developmental league is going to stay alive in this day and age. It's cool, don't get me wrong, we've seen some cool plays here and there, Uh some of these guys have not played football in a while. Some more than a year, two years. And playing together, you know, it's it's a brand new deal. It's like going to a new school. You don't know all these people that you're 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 going to. Maybe you're, you're working a brand new job. You're going to a new city and you're not familiar with all the traffic, all the roads and whatnot. You're learning so many different things. I don't know how much practice time these players had with one another before the season got under, underway. But I'll say this right now. If you give it another year, maybe we'll see better quality of football. I know some people have enjoyed the football that you've seen in the AAF so far, but I think at the end of the day, this AAF league, they didn't spend a lot of money on promotion, yet their ratings in week one were good, but there's not a lot of attention right now. I don't know what exactly the ratings are, but they're not as high as they were before. You look at the XFL. And they're going to, look, Vince McMahon is not bringing back the XFL just for it to fail after one season. Again, he doesn't want that. This is 2019, and by the time the XFL gets underway, it'll be 2020. You know what we have this day and age that the XFL didn't have before? What the AAF has now, what the XFL 2 will have, whatever you want to call it. Their social media. Social media really helps spread the news fast and can help gain attraction, gain some notoriety. And if you cannot get viewership in 2019 with the usage of social media, I'm just not sure if this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to work for the XFL. I, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen several months from now when the XFL gets underway, when the AAF tries to have its second season. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. I don't know exactly what the Arena League is doing to stay alive. I know they had some trouble and they folded for a bit, but... It is a very different football league. I get it, but the AF may need to copy some of its business tactics 
and see what needs to be done. I think the idea of having the AAF and the XFL are cool. Uh, I mean, there are players that want to maybe hone their skills and go back to the NFL. Maybe they know that they are not going to go back to the NFL and they can at least enjoy playing football, making just a little bit more than six figure. I mean, just about six figures or uh, making close to six figures playing minor league football, whatever you want to call this. I think it's nice that there are opportunities like this because there are a lot of great football players who get cut from NFL teams after the preseason and they... They're heartbroken. They want to be able to play football again. They don't want to go to Canada at least, but they want to have the option of continuing to play. And the arena leagues, I mean, it's a completely different game, so it's going to be hard to compete there. Not everyone's going to get a job, but now that you have the AAF and the XFL, yeah, there are going to be plenty of opportunities. But at the same time, can these leagues still stay alive? I don't know exactly how much sponsorship money is being thrown out there, what the availability is with getting players in. Uh, Some players, they play in the NFL for a couple of years, they realize it's not for them and they retire from football completely. They, they have no interest in these developmental leagues like the AAF and the XFL Revival. Not exactly sure what exactly is going to happen by 2021, let's say. Uh, I know for a fact that, and again, this is just common sense, these leagues do not get created just to fold in a year or two. Vince McMahon is investing a lot to bring back the XFL. Now, the WWF at the time, I mean, they were huge. They they used guys like The Rock. Uh, they used Mick Foley. Some of the biggest names in pro wrestling to help promote the XFL. I'm not a big wrestling fan right now. I know you have Ronda Rousey. I know you have Daniel Bryan. Um, I heard Batista just came back. I don't know where he is on the popularity scale with pro wrestling right now. I, I, I don't have that much familiarity with pro wrestling uh, but I know it's still a big deal. Uh, I know Daniel Bryan's a big name. I know Becky Lynch is a big name. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if those guys, though, can be enough to help promote the XFL 2 like they did with The Rock. I mean, if The Rock cannot help the XFL, who's to say anyone in the WWE today could help do that? That's my biggest question. A couple of things I want to discuss uh, before we sign off here on the podcast. Uh, AT&T, DirecTV, and Viacom, they reached a deal to avoid a blackout to keep channels like Comedy Central, BET, Nickelodeon, MTV, Paramount, formerly known as Spike TV, uh, and several other channels. Uh, What does this mean for the future as people who watch TV? And I know a lot of people here have DirecTV or AT&T U-verse. What does this mean as Chiefs fans, as sports fans, whether we watch the Royals, whether we watch Sporting KC games, whether we watch college basketball, the NCAA tournament, which is on multiple channels. Let's not forget, by the way, the uh, NFL has discussed its relationship with DirecTV and NFL Sunday Ticket, and there could be a possibility where they move on from that and... DirecTV in order to not only keep its relationship with the NFL, but also to avoid people from cutting the cord, they announced that they will not raise the price of Sunday ticket after a 4.2% raise last year. And in a bundle with the Red Zone Channel and Fantasy Zone along with uh, Sunday ticket, that brought the price to $395.94. Essentially almost $400 for DirecTV customers, but apparently... That will all remain 
intact the same for 2019, so there will not be a price increase for Sunday Ticket, for the Red Zone Channel, for Fantasy Zone, especially if you have that bundle together. And again, let's not forget, DirecTV uh, and AT&T almost lost a lot of these channels. We hear this a lot, by the way, especially with uh, local channels like ABC, CBS. I remember I was in Vegas for New Year's weekend, and I was watching some of the Week 17 games on TV, and they had a a little news ticker on the bottom uh, that said, hey, look, uh, everyone in Las Vegas could lose CBS on January the 1st, which means if you lose CBS, you will not be able to watch this year's Super Bowl. Granted, I think people would have loved to not watch the most recent Super Bowl, but you get the idea. CBS is obviously a big-name network, and the Raiders are going to go to Oakland or Las Vegas very soon, and obviously a majority of their games will be on CBS. Uh, look at the UFC and what's going on with ESPN there. The UFC now has an exclusive deal with ESPN where all of their pay-per-views are going to be through ESPN+. Plus. You no longer go on that pay-per-view channel to buy UFC pay-per-views. It's now going to be done exclusively through ESPN+. Plus. The UFC, all of their content now is on ESPN or it's on a digital stream. Are we going to be at a point now where Chiefs games are going to be exclusively available on a digital on a digital stream could the NFL say hey thanks a lot CBS Fox NBC ESPN we appreciate all the years of business but now we're going to exclusively stream our games online kind of like ESPN plus you have an NFL app where you can watch all the games for a certain price and at that point that is how you can watch all the games now I'm not exactly sure how you're going to get announcers for those games. That'll be a different deal. But there could be a day where we're going to need to purchase some sort of subscription if we want to follow Chiefs football. If we want to follow the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's going to be a streaming service where a lot of these big games, maybe at some point... Every single sporting event, and maybe even every single channel, is going to be available through some sort of streaming service. Look at YouTube TV right now. And I'll, let me just say this. I have very, very little familiarity with these streaming services. I do have ESPN+. Plus. Uh, that's really it, though. Uh, I don't have YouTube TV. I don't have Fire Stick. I, do, uh, I, uh, I cannot think of the other one. Um, there's a, a notable streaming service that a lot of people use, and I cannot think of the name right now. I, I mentioned Fire Stick. I know there's Roku, and there's YouTube TV. Uh, Apple TV is another one, but that's not the one I was, or at least the one I thought I could not think of. Uh, but there are a lot of options out there for digital streaming and still still being able to get the channels that you want. I'm curious what this does for us as football fans, as Chiefs fans, as sports fans. What's going to happen to sports? Because sports are a big deal. There is a lot of money being thrown out there for commercials for these big sporting events. NFL games, I mean, every NFL game feels like a big event because 
of the amount of money that you see thrown out there for commercials for games. Uh, Because once NFL season starts, there are commercials that you don't see before the season that you start seeing during the football season. Obviously, the Super Bowl, it's another big spectacle. A lot of money being thrown out there for the big game. Let me know your thoughts on this, because I think there's a possibility it's not going to happen in a year, maybe not even two years. But I think in five, ten years, you're going to start seeing certain certain events that are going to be exclusively available through a streaming service. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there were certain KU games that were available through ESPN Plus only. I could be wrong on that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe there were some KU basketball games that were only available through ESPN Plus. Some of the non-conference games. And keep in mind, KU basketball is a pretty big deal. One of the best college basketball programs out there. So if you have one of the... And I don't know exactly what's going on with Kentucky. I know... I mean, obviously, Texas Longhorns, they're a huge deal in Texas. They have the Longhorn Network. I don't know exactly what they are doing in terms of a streaming service. The New York Yankees, I mean, they've got the Yes Network, which is a huge deal. I don't know uh, exactly what they're going to do for streaming services down the road. Obviously, the Yankees, one of the biggest sports franchises in the world. It's going to come down to paying a big price if you want to see your favorite teams. You can turn on your TV. I mean, CBS, Fox, people have those channels. Uh, Basic cable plans. You can watch the Kansas City Royals on FSKC. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is. I I think the Cardinals are on Fox Sports Midwest. Uh, But you get the idea. Uh, these, These events now, they could be available only online. And I think my biggest fear with that is... Yes, the internet's cool and all. We're always on social media doing our thing, but we all know Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi networks. I, I mean, even if you have the best Wi-Fi in the world, uh, I've got AT and T, uh, which is supposedly very good. And even if you have the the best package, you still have some laggy internet there that isn't consistent. And if you want to watch your favorite sports teams. And your Wi-Fi isn't the most reliable, not the most consistent, even if you have the best Wi-Fi. I know Google Fiber, a lot of people are disappointed with that. That's going to create a lot of complaints and a lot of people are going to say, hey, maybe the old school way of having cable television is actually better. That's a crazy conversation to have. Uh, I, I know that's a lot to think about, but I don't think it's anything that we should ignore at the moment because we could be moving in that direction one day. Super Bowls could be a pay-per-view exclusive thing one day. I think there's a chance we could move in that direction one day. There's a good chance for that. Uh, Last thing I wanted to discuss, this is actually kind of comical here. Chris Evans, who a lot of people are familiar with his work, he is in the Marvel movies as Captain America, uh, Steve Rogers. He's also in the Avenger films. Uh, He made a comment in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter and he said he's been very vocal about his opinion on Donald Trump, very strongly against Donald Trump. He made a comment saying that if Tom Brady is still a Trump supporter, that he may cut his ties as a Patriots fan because of that. Now, listen, I've had this discussion before. I think it's silly that people will uh, not want to purchase a brand of clothing because. 
the CEO of that brand ha- is a supporter of this candidate or is Republican or Democrat. I think it's silly to do that. Uh, a lot of people are criticizing Chris Evans for this, and I agree with the criticism. However, you cannot criticize Chris Evans if you're one of those people who canceled your Netflix subscription because the Obamas were involved in the production of some exclusive network uh, Netflix project. You can't have it both ways, folks. You can't be critical of Chris Evans if you're one of those people that was outraged by Nike supporting Colin Kaepernick and pretended to boycott Nike despite their sales skyrocketing after their big deal with Kaepernick. You get where I'm going with this? People are gonna, a couple of people tweeted me, Will Farzine, it's a sports team. It's not a clothing brand. That doesn't make a difference. You cannot... Deter your lifestyle, whether it's a sports team, whether you're it's watching movies or clothing brands based on political difference of opinion. Look, I, I've been clear on this podcast and on social media. I, I'm against Trump. I'm, I'm not a fan of his, but I'm not going to refuse to buy something or, or, or cancel my service with something because they don't agree with my political opinion. I think that's a silly thing to do. Uh, I get for Chris Evans, it's a very personal thing. Okay, look, he's allowed to do that. And he's allowed to be criticized for that. But you can't criticize him if you're one of those people that canceled your subscription to Netflix or criticized Netflix because of their relationship with the Obamas. Uh, And same thing if you criticized Nike because of their relationship with Kaepernick. You can't have it both ways, folks. You just can't. But hey, look. If Chris Evans doesn't want to be a Patriots fan anymore, I believe one of his Avengers castmates, uh, Mr. Ant-Man, Paul Rudd himself, I believe he's a Chiefs fan, so, uh, hey, maybe Paul Rudd could recruit him to, uh, be a Chiefs fan. We'll take it, Captain America, Chiefs fan. Uh, by the way, I, I wrote this, uh, as a joke, some people took it personally, uh, as him bringing, bringing him on as a Chiefs fan. I also wrote, uh, Captain America Civil War II. Uh, for those who watch Marvel movies, you, you probably get the joke, Patriot versus Patriot, Captain America versus Tom Brady. Uh, but some people took offense to that. And if you took offense to that, I apologize, you don't have a sense of humor. I'm not apologizing for the joke. I, I mean, the joke was not anything out of line. But if you were offended by that, then I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But there's that. Uh, there's something to consider. Chris Evans could possibly be a Chiefs fan if uh, Paul Rudd can recruit him to Kansas City. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Masugi, and a big thanks to all of you for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean, and hit the share link as well to spread the word on social media. I'm on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Farzim21, and give the Facebook page a like, facebook.com slash Farzim Masugi. We will be back on Monday to discuss... Other Chiefs news, our closing segments will return, and hopefully I can share with you guys a list of some of the guests we will have on the podcast for the month of April. I am very excited for the month of April. Uh, like I said, we do have a lot of guests that have agreed to come on the podcast, no specific date yet, but uh, we will have a lot of guests on the podcast in the next two months, so we are very excited for that. Again, big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. I will talk to you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you then.